Welcome to For the Love of Podcast. On this episode, I'm going to share 50 mistakes I made producing and hosting the first 50 episodes of my show, Inside Out. And this is going to be a fully raw, uncensored, unscripted, just throw it out there. This is where I screwed up. Now, I'm going to give myself a little bit of grace. It's not like I haven't been working hard or doing a lot of things. I exchanged some of these things that I'm going to mention that I didn't do for things that I did do. One of those things is being really active on LinkedIn. And so I'm just going to get right into it and not waste any time because that's actually the first thing is number one. And and by the way, these are in no particular order because I want you to listen to the whole thing. So maybe the number one thing is actually at the end, or maybe it's in the middle because I don't want you to miss out on any of these because They may be able to help you. Maybe you'll relate to it. Maybe you made the same mistake or maybe just maybe this will prevent you from making this mistake. So let's dig in. Speaking of time, I don't think I cared enough about making sure that I cut down my shows and really took responsibility over the length of each episode. Remember, every single show is inviting someone to listen and really spend their valuable time listening to my show. And I have to take that responsibility really, really seriously. If I have a hundred people listen or 200 or 300 or a thousand people listen for every minute that I take off, imagine how much time is saved. And so number one, I need to make sure that my episodes are shorter and really pay attention to the length of the episode. So let's move into number two, number two video. I didn't video the vast majority of the 50 episodes I recorded. I only recorded sound. And this is coming from somebody who is a film guy. I love shooting. I have tons of camera equipment. There's absolutely no reason that I couldn't record every single interview, yet I didn't. And yeah, in retrospect, hindsight being 2020, I could have, I should have, I didn't. And part of the reason I didn't was I just wanted to really focus on the audio and I didn't want to overcomplicate it because I know myself, I know sometimes I could pay too much attention to one thing and therefore it compromises something else. So it was a conscious decision, but now I'm recording video for every interview that I do because that's what most people want to see. They want to see a person's face. They want to see their eyes. They want to see their mannerisms and video is such a powerful medium And why not have that as an additional type of content that I could share? All right, let's move into number three. Because I didn't have video, guess what? I didn't upload anything to YouTube. Now, I have a few videos up on YouTube, but the vast majority of my podcasts aren't up on LinkedIn. Now, I have some short segments and promos on LinkedIn, but that's about it. And that was a mistake because YouTube is a massive platform. It's an easy way to spread the message to get my podcast out there, yet I didn't use it. Speaking of neglection, Instagram, wow. I started strong. I started early. I was really moving strong. I had a ton of content up even before the launch, and I did pretty well throughout the first few months of the show. I was posting photos, I had quotes, and I was doing well, but I just completely fell off the map on Instagram. And if you go look at my Instagram page on Inside Out, you can see that it's been super sparse over the last few months. Really, since I started taking LinkedIn seriously, I got less serious about Instagram and also less serious about Facebook. So number four, neglected Instagram. Number five, 
Facebook. And it's another powerful platform. Why shouldn't I leverage it? There's really no excuse other than I didn't manage my time effectively. And I wasn't seeing the results when I would post things. So I kind of got tired of posting into the wind, uh, which is what it seemed like that I was just posting and I wasn't getting as much traction. So I just kind of stopped promoting the show on LinkedIn. But That wasn't very smart because I'll put my number six as I don't even have a Facebook group on LinkedIn for Inside Out. Another big mistake. Why not create a community, create a platform for people to talk about the show, to share insights, and to really create a community? All right, moving on to number seven. This one pains me because it is something that I should be good at, and that is I do not have a LinkedIn group for inside out. I know, I cannot believe it myself. What in the world was I thinking? As active as I am on LinkedIn, you would think that I would have a page for inside out and I would have a group for inside out. Now I have a page for my company, Insight Media, but for whatever reason, I never started a page for inside out the podcast or a group and another big mistake. Let's move on in the spirit of time. And let's talk about consistency. Number eight, So I'll admit that if you go back and look at my catalog, while I have 50 episodes over the stretch of a year, I missed several weeks and also didn't have a consistency in terms of being able to release a show every week at the same time. There were times where I went 10 days or even two weeks without releasing an episode. And then there were other times where I would release an episode every four days. So it wasn't consistent. And so This is like really, really bad. And a cardinal rule that was broken, frankly, is not posting on a regular schedule. So consistency matters. People count on the show coming out at a specific time. And if you miss it, they start to lose faith. So that's number eight. Number nine. Oh, I love this one. And I love feedback. So it's all about feedback. And that is that I didn't create a feedback mechanism for my show, meaning nobody could tell me what they liked or what they didn't like. I don't know why I didn't do this because I do really love feedback. I'm huge into putting out surveys and finding out what people liked, what they didn't like. And I I, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't do it, but I didn't. And so on this show, I have a feedback mechanism. You can obviously listen to the last thing I say on every episode is that I want your feedback. I made a whole introduction episode and a big portion of that was talking about how I want feedback. And I'm not going to make that same mistake with For the Love of Podcast. I want to get as much feedback as possible because guess what? That's how the show gets better. Okay. So I, man, I wish I got more feedback for Inside Out, but hey, I could still, I can still get that feedback. All right. Number 10. Number 10 is... I didn't do any solo shows. All I did were interview shows. And I think that was a really, really big mistake. Probably one of the biggest mistakes because even though I love interviewing people, I know that that's something that I'm naturally, you know, I have a natural curiosity and a natural desire to get to know people better and and learn their story. What I, I didn't do was I didn't share enough heartfelt what I'll call one-on-one conversations with my audience. Because the way I really should be thinking about it is is if I'm talking to one person, who is my avatar? Who is the person that I'm talking to? And thinking about that person in my mind and actually having a conversation, albeit a one-way conversation with that person. And so to you that's listening to this show right now, I'm I'm doing that now with this solo episode. And I kind of like it. I just... 
I didn't do it. And so I have to call it out as a big, big mistake. Something that I wish I did that I didn't do. All right, number 11. Number 11 is one that I frankly didn't even know. I actually, I knew it, but I didn't think about it until I took a course about halfway through my journey, which is I didn't join any forums or platforms where I can, I can be an expert, where I could share ideas or insights uh, a site like Quora or a s- other forums or places where I can go, even Reddit, where I throw in my own two cents. Obviously, I have my profile created. And then somebody who's curious about me can then see that I host a podcast called Inside Out. I did not do that at all. And I think that's a missed opportunity. Now, granted, it does take time and it's a slow grow type of approach. But if I put enough out there and a lot of people go to these platforms and see what I write, it will potentially create a magnet to my show. So that's number 11. Number 12. I I know I'm jumping around a little bit. This is intentional, partially because I didn't want to have to try to think of what the order would be because everything seems important. And partially because, as I said, I want you to listen to all of these things. But this one's really interesting. I didn't do a very, actually, I shouldn't say I didn't do a very good job. I didn't do a job of promoting my next upcoming show in my current episode. For example, in this episode, I'm going to promote the upcoming episode, which is James Cridlin, right? And I'll, I'll share that at the end, but he's the editor of Pod News. And promoting your next show creates anticipation. It creates a way for you to make sure that your audience is engaged and wanting to listen to the next show. I just didn't do a good job of it. And I guess I'll make this the next one. I'll add this as a number 13. And one thing that I've heard some podcasters do a really, really nice job is almost like a cliffhanger where they set up or tee up the next show in such a way that it creates this anticipation for the next show. I just listened to Shay Robottom's podcast and she did a fantastic job of this. Every one of her first shows, it ended with a teaser really of what's in store and she would it's almost like the news, right? Like, and, and this person's about to jump off a building, but stay tuned because we're going to show it in five minutes, right? Or we're going to show it. And they keep saying that. Well, at the end of your show, if you can tee up your next show in such a way where it really creates this anticipation, you want people to binge listen to your show or you want people to stay tuned into your next show, that's a really, really strong way of doing it. Moving on to number 14. Okay. I'm not very proud of this, but my show notes are lack thereof are horrible. Now I will admit that I had some help early on and my show notes, they were probably a little bit too comprehensive where we literally go through the entire episode and timestamp everything. And I think we got burnt out and ultimately just stopped doing it. And so I'm embarrassed to admit that my show notes are practically non-existent and Yes, that hurts because that really limits the ability for the search engines to find my show. And so big mistake, not having show notes, not having timestamps, not having quotes, not having links. And and I do some links and I, through the show description, I might have a few tidbits in there, but for the vast majority of my episodes, the show notes are atrocious. So again, rookie mistake. And no excuse, I can say I didn't have enough time, but that is an excuse, right? I can make time, I could find somebody to help. Don't let my mistake become a reason for you to make the same mistake. Make it a reason for you to not make that mistake. Number 15, 
Now, I pride myself on researching guests before they come on the show, and I've done a really good job for the most part. Now, I will say there have been times where I didn't do as good of research, and so that's why I'm putting this one in there because I know looking back, if I look back on all the episodes I recorded, I would say, especially guests that I didn't know, I did a really good job of researching, but some of the guests that I did know, I didn't put enough legwork in, or maybe guests that I didn't know that wasn't quite that famous, I didn't put enough time in. And so I don't think you could ever research too much unless it's compromising other things that you do and and therefore it's a waste of time. But what I will say is doing strong research before you do your episode, it helps in so, on so many levels. You're able to skip past all of the basic things that they say on every other podcast. You're able to relate with them, have rapport with them. You're able to know what insights you want to talk about because you know what their go-to insights are, and you could avoid the ones that you don't think will be as interesting. I could go on and on and on, and I will do a whole episode just about research because I'm that passionate about it. So yeah, so I mean, look, I, I, I have that on the list because I wasn't as good and I wasn't up to the bar that I've set for myself right now on research. Let's move on to number 16. Okay, disclaimer, no offense to the people that have been on my show for the first 50 shows. It really is not a pointing a finger at any one particular person. But if I'm being honest, I think I could have better guests within my first 50 shows. And I will continue to bring on better guests. And when I say better guests, like, again, this is not personal. But the reality is, let's face it, the type of guests that I need to bring on the show, they need to be high caliber enough that people will want to listen. That means that I have to put in the legwork to find these people, whether they be best-selling authors, interesting thought leaders, professional athletes, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, you name it. I want to find guests that are super intriguing, that they're remarkable, that they really embody what this show is all about, which is finding out what are those life-changing moments of remarkable people. And I had some remarkable people on my show. I'm not saying I didn't, but I I am going to raise the bar going forward. And the people I'm going to bring on the show, they're going to be top caliber. All right. Number 17. I already talked about this on the front of the episode, but I'm just going to, I talked about just being thoughtful and mindful of time, which really means editing, but I'm going to talk about it one more time, which is just shorter episodes in general. If you look at my catalog, I've had episodes go as long as an hour and 45 minutes. Now you're going to say, well, there are some that do it. Okay. I don't claim to be Joe Rogan. I respect him. I think he's amazing. And I know there's other podcasters, Tim Ferriss, but I'm, I'm going to be real here. I have not put in the time. I have not paid my dues. I have not done anything to make people know why they should tune in for two or three hours or even an hour and a half. Most people want to listen to a show that's in the 45 minute range, maybe even less, maybe 30 minutes. And so I think the sweet spot is 30 minutes to 45 minutes. I'm still working to get to that point. Right now, I'm really, everything that I'm doing is like, I I need it to be under an hour. But I have so many shows in my first 50 that were way over an hour and unnecessarily. I probably could have spent the time to, what I'll say is relentlessly edit my shows down to a more digestible size. Okay, this one's kind of funny. Number 18. (sighs) Ah. Man, I got I, I just got to say like this one's kind of funny to me. I don't like the way I do my intros. And so this is me being a bit vulnerable and I've had a few friends that know me well say that I kind of sing song it and it it just sounds phony. It just doesn't sound real. It doesn't sound like I'm talking. So yeah, it's just it kind of sounds like I'm sing-songing 
the intro, it doesn't sound real or authentic. And of course, that's a problem. The more real I am, the more conversational, the better. Obviously, the the less conversational, <laughs> the worse. And so that is why that made it onto the list. Uh, number 18, do not sing song the intro. Number 19, let's stick with the intro theme. My intro was too long. When you factor in that I had a slow intro with a song and a clip from the show, then I would have a fast intro where I set up the show and I talk about what the premise of the show is. I mean, we're talking, it was four minutes, sometimes five minutes. And then more recently I added a new intro. And so I'd have the slow intro, my new intro, and then my, I would tee up the show and it, it was still around the same amount of time. But if you look at that, that's five minutes, valuable real estate time-wise. And so, yes, I think podcasts that are best, they get right into it. Don't waste time with a long intro. Number 20, I wish I'd got a sponsor or some kind of promotional support of the show. I didn't try to get that. And I just think it adds a sense of validity, credibility to the show. If the show has an audience that it reaches, you will find, you should be able to find a sponsor of some kind. Now, I'm not beating myself up over this because I don't want to waste people's time with a sponsor, a long drawn out sponsorship pitch, but I do think there's immense advantages to having this. Uh, Again, going back to the whole sense of credibility. Moving on, number 21. (laughs) This kind of goes back to the the guest uh, number 16, which is, I had too many what I call friendisodes, which is really just somebody that I know that I brought on the show. Now, granted, I only brought people on that I thought would say something interesting and that I found fascinating myself. So I don't think it really made for a bad show necessarily, but perception matters. If I bring on guest after guest that is a friend or a perceived friend, then it just seems like I'm having a conversation with a buddy. And uh, I mean, who wants to listen to that? Really, and people don't want to listen to uh, uh, you know two friends having a conversation. Number twenty-two, be an advocate for the audience. This is a mantra that I'm going to keep telling myself, and I'm not saying that I didn't do this at all. But really, I, I don't care what list I make when it comes to podcasting. That will always be on my list, and I learned this from Jordan Harbinger, who really instilled in me through our conversation, both as I interviewed him and just learning his approach, that we always got to be thinking about the audience in everything that we do, because those are the people that are listening to the show. That's, after all, why we do it. Otherwise, we're just talking into a microphone by ourselves. Even though I did some things well in this regard, I absolutely think I could do a better job. So I'm going to put that as number 22 as a mistake, is just not being as much of an advocate as I could be for my audience. Number 23, I think I could get a lot more gritty and real and authentic. And this episode is a perfect example of that. I'm trying to be as genuine and real as I can because I am. I'm just I'm just sharing candidly. I have notes, but I, and I'm not reading the script here. I think people want that. They want the real deal. They don't want it sugar-coated. They don't want anything that's false or fake or phony. They want the real deal. The more real, the better. All right, number 24. It hasn't been a conversation. When I say that, it's not a two-way street. My audience, I get feedback every now and then, either an email or a text or a comment, great show, or you know, just something that comes through on LinkedIn or social media. And that's really nice. I love hearing those things. 
but that's not a conversation. A conversation is when there's a dialogue, when I invite people to give real feedback, not just positive. As much as I want to hear positive things, I would much rather hear constructive criticism to get better. Okay. That's what I mean by a conversation. And it needs to be too straight and not just feedback, but also what do you want from the show? What do you like that I'm doing? What do you not like that I'm doing? Do you like the fact that I end with the lightning round? Do you not like that? Are the episodes too long? Are they too short? Everything like that. Oh, I just need more of that. Okay. Number 25 or halfway through is I never highlighted anyone that reviewed my show. And I think that's a really, really smart way to not only incentivize people to review the show, but also to highlight your fans and to highlight the people that support you. Because ultimately they, they took the time to write that review. They went out of their way to share why they like the show, what they like about the show. And so why not take a, a moment to highlight that? Yes, I will be doing this on my shows going forward. Okay, number 26. I, <laughs> I never did a, a contest of any kind. It could be a contest for reviews. It could be a contest for social media posts. It could be, I mean, any number of things to create that social awareness. I never did anything like that. What a missed opportunity to create a little bit of excitement around my show. And so I think that's something that really could provide a lot of value, a lot of visibility into what I'm doing. Number 27, let's not waste any time. Let's go into, I did not participate in groups. This is something that I've started to do now in the podcasting space. But as far as with Inside Out, I, I just didn't do it. I, I was active on LinkedIn, but I didn't really participate in any groups. Guess what? It's much like I talked about on the forums and Quora. If you participate in these things, you start to get known. People become curious about what you're doing and they look you up and then they say, oh, he's got this show. Let me check it out. I think the, especially if you're active and if you say insightful things, people then all of a sudden have this curiosity about you and then they want to get to know you. Number 28. This is a, a definitely a rookie mistake. I asked the same questions of my guests for many, many episodes. Now I did have something called the lightning round and kind of the purpose of that was to ask the same few questions to the guest, right? And I stopped doing that probably about, uh, I don't know, 15 episodes ago, maybe more. But the point I'm making is I really think every conversation should be really tailored for the person that I'm talking to. And that way, every conversation is unique and different. If every conversation I ask the same question, it's not only lazy, but it doesn't really provide for a great experience. So it's definitely not looking out for the audience and being an advocate for them. So again, stop asking the same questions on every single interview. Number 29, my questions were at times too general. I'll give you an example. For many of my shows, I asked, tell me your story way too vague, way too much of an open forum for them just to share a long drawn out story about their life, which may or may not be interesting. They may or may not be good at telling it. And it may or may not provide value for my audience. Again, I need to be an advocate for the audience. If I just say, Hey, tell me your story. Maybe the audience wants to hear it, but also maybe they don't. And so moving on to number 30, my website, Oh, don't even get me started with the website. It's super slow and clunky. It's not updated consistently, meaning I've missed shows. I, you know, I, I think I have most episodes up there now, but it's like, it's just not a good podcasting website. In fact, I'm switching it over to the same sort of thing that I have for, for this show, but it's just not that great. It's not, again, it's not fast. It doesn't have a lot of the things that I want on it. And yeah, just, just not terribly happy with the way it functions, 
the way it looks, anything about it. And now, is it horrible? No, it's not horrible, but it could be much, much, much better. We'll move into number 31, which is not enough content on the website. So I already talked about the lack of show notes, but beyond that, I needed more blog posts. I needed more video. And I have a lot of this content. I just didn't find the time or make the time to add it. And I also could have made a whole lot more, which brings me to number 32. Just generally speaking, I do subscribe to the Gary V theory that we should really be creating a whole lot more content than we are. Even he who creates a ton of content feels like he's not creating enough content. This is so important. I really subscribe because you get better the more content you make. The more stuff you put out there, the more tentacles you put into cyberspace that will attract people to the work that you do. And it's just a way for you to make sure that your work has more visibility. Huge, huge, huge. That's probably one of the top, top things on my list. And one of the things that I'm focused on is more and more content. Number 33, I just suck at any kind of paid advertising. I did Facebook, didn't see much success. And I didn't learn how to do other ways. I didn't learn how to do Facebook the right way. I do think there's value in making sure that you can leverage all the different ways to attract people to the show. I did not master that. And that is an area that I want to improve on. More on that in a minute. Number 34, transcripts or lack thereof. I didn't put up any transcripts for my show. One, this is eliminating a portion of the population who are hearing impaired and they can't listen to the show. Why not create a place or a way for them to read what the show is all about and to read through a transcript? So it's easy to do. It's not hard, yet I didn't do it. Oh, mistake. All right, moving on. Number 35, no incentive for my mailing list. What a big miss. Having a mailing list is so vital. It's on my website. You can sign up for it, but if there's nothing inspiring someone to actually go forward, who's going to join a mailing list for no particular reason? Obviously, the more you can incentivize it, the more you can attract people to join the mailing list. Either you have a great newsletter or maybe you give away a PDF or a course, something that will help people find value in signing up. Oh, missed opportunity. Number 36. I didn't do a good enough job networking with other podcasters. And I just think that there is immense value in having a network of people that are doing the same thing as me, learning from them, understanding what they're going through, listening to their shows, getting feedback from them, giving them feedback, just becoming ingratiated in the community of podcasters, I think is immensely valuable and something that I didn't do. Now I'm starting to do it now, but I didn't do it when I was rolling out my show inside out. Number 37, I didn't do a very good job of giving guests assets to promote the shows. I did in some cases. I was, I'm not saying I was horrible all the time. In fact, I did a really nice job with Lorena Acosta, who was recently on my show and I gave her a whole bunch of audiograms. She ended up making her own, uh, which were even better. But point being is it doesn't take that much work. In fact, you can outsource a lot of that work and yet I, I just, I failed at it. And so I think the, the easiest way to, to, to say is make it so easy that they, it would make just a ton of sense for them to post because it's so simple for them to do so. Either you give them content, you give them the copy, you, you just, you, you handhold them through it. Now don't expect them to do it, 
But if you give them all the tools they need, they'll likely do it. Number 38. I went on shows, I went on podcasts, but I didn't go on enough. And I even, I've been invited on a lot of shows that I just haven't made the time to go on yet. And so I will be going on a lot more shows. I do think it is a phenomenal way to promote the show. And the more podcasts I can go on, the more visibility I get. I Let's face it, the people listening to other podcasts, they listen to podcasts. And if they like me or they're curious about me, they might look me up, they might listen to the show. And then if they like the show, they subscribe guess what? That creates another listener. Huge, huge, huge opportunity squandered. Now, again, I've been on a bunch of shows, but I think I could do a much, much better job. So I am listing it as the mistake for number 38. Number 39, I didn't go to any podcast conferences. Now, I know we're in the year of COVID and they've all been virtual, but even those, I haven't gone to any of them. Now, I just signed up for a virtual, the podcast movement virtual conference in October. I'm looking forward to that. Obviously, now I have even more incentive to be at those events, but there's nothing saying that I couldn't gone to a conference on leadership or entrepreneurship or something that would be more tied to Inside Out. Number 40, I didn't soundproof my room. So I I do have a studio here. It's in my garage. And frankly speaking, it's got a ton of different issues with it. You may even hear some crickets in the background while I'm recording this right now. I do have a cricket infestation. So that's kind of frustrating. Plus, it doesn't really have anything to dampen the sound inside. And I hear a ton of outside noise. Now, luckily, I have a dynamic microphone, so that cuts out a lot of the background noise. But I could have a better recording environment. And so I will up the status of my studio over the upcoming months. And I will keep you posted as I do any changes here. Now, is it horrible? No, the sound is pretty decent. So I'm not going to beat myself up over it. But it is something that I could improve and a mistake that I made in my first year. Number 41. I don't really have a good call to action in the outro. Now I say to make a review, but everyone does that. And that's just noise. No one pays attention. What else can I have them do? Is there a course that they could go to? Is there uh, again, is there an email mailing list that they could sign up for and get something for free? There could be any number of things that I inspire people to go to, or maybe it's just that I want to have that communication and that feedback. And so I think the outro is an opportunity to communicate with the audience and give them some direction on what would be most valuable for them to support my show. Number 42, branding. So yeah, branding is important. And when I say branding, I really look at what is the what is the thing that people remember about the show? Does it have a tagline people remember? Does it have a mantra or some sort of symbol of the show so that if somebody were to wear a shirt with that symbol, it would be recognizable? It would That would obviously help with offline messaging and offline spreading of the word just because it's, it is another way for you to get the word out about the show. And so I didn't do a very good job of branding. People don't know what Inside Out is. They don't know what it stands for. They don't know what tagline it has because it doesn't have a tagline. And so branding is a really, really big area that I could improve the show. All right, moving on to number 43, working on my voice. As I listen to my voice right now, I'm thinking to myself, what do I sound like? And I think, you know, I've gotten some compliments on my voice. Who knows? Do I have a good voice? Do I not have a good voice for podcasting? I don't know. What I do know is that I probably should seek expert counsel, people that specialize in voice, 
especially the voice of a podcaster. It's my instrument. So why not have it tuned? Why not have it be the best that it can be? And so getting some vocal coaches and people to help with my voice is a necessity in an area where it's not a big mistake for your first year to not get a vocal coach, but it is a mistake because I think it's something if I'm going to take this seriously, I might as well get someone to support my instrument and my tool for my craft. Number 44. I didn't do a very good job of promoting my big guest as hard as I could. So I had Liz Wiseman on the show. She is a New York Times bestselling author. And I had an opportunity when she was on the show to really promote it, to promote it to her fans. And I I just did an average job at best when she was on the show. So lesson learned, when I have bigger guests on the show, I really need to up the ante and promote it because that's my golden opportunity to create more credibility for my show and not only promote the show, but also get more guests. Because if a potential guest sees that I have somebody like Liz Wiseman on the show, it will make that potential guest feel like, oh, well, if Liz is on the show, maybe I should be too. And so I think I need to do a better job when I have those high profile guests that I promote it both in terms of getting more of an audience, but also getting more potential show guests. Number 45. On last week's episode, one of the things that Kevin Finn talks about is advertising to people who listen to podcasts already. And he wasn't a big fan of Facebook advertising, but what he did suggest is going where podcasters are already at. It's like, you, why, where do you buy candy? You buy it as you're checking out, right? Because it's that impulse buy that you do at the end. If you're a podcast listener and you all of a sudden get fed a potential new podcast to listen to through an advertisement, you may listen to it. And so I'm now using Overcast to help promote For the Love of Podcast. And I think it's a smart idea. I have a friend who's using it. He really liked it. I know they're not the only place that I can advertise. I think Pocket Cast and a whole bunch of other websites and platforms allow advertising. And so I think just trying and testing out different approaches is the way to go. Number 46. Oh, this is a big one. I don't think I ever really asked why well, not. It's not that I don't think I know I didn't ask enough questions of other podcasters. How are they doing it? What are they doing? What's their approach? I tried to learn everything on my own or looking for information online. I know that obviously there's a ton of great resources and valuable information, but nothing beats having a conversation with somebody who you trust, who you like, who you know has had success and asking them, what have they done? Learn from their mistakes. Trying to learn everything on my own was a really, really, really big mistake. Moving on to number 47. I flat out didn't make enough shows. Now 50 sounds like a lot, but in a year, that's not really that many. One show a week, it's not that hard. It really isn't. And I could have made a hundred shows in a year because let's face it, if I'm all in on podcasting, which I am, I might as well do more shows, put out more content, going back to the Gary Vee principle. And that is a mistake. Only producing 50 episodes in a year, it's not enough episodes. Number 48. This is a big one. I didn't think enough about the competition of my show and the topic that I'm in and learning from them and learning what people like and understanding what makes a good show within my topic. And so I think it's a huge opportunity, a huge area where I should be focused. And frankly, I I haven't been number 49. Ah, This is probably one of the bigger ones. It's not niche enough or is it niche enough? I don't know, but it's not enough of a narrow focus. Pat Flynn suggests get really, really niche down and find a very, very defined topic and then widen from there. 
I didn't do that. I went really, really wide. And that leads me to my last one, which I don't even know who I am serving. So number 50, who is my audience? Is it leaders? Is it entrepreneurs? Is it professionals? Is it all of the above? I think I was trying to be all things to all people. And so this is me being super vulnerable. That's a mistake. Get down into a very specific customer avatar and define who that person is, know where they live, know how old they are, know what sex they are, know what they do for a living, know their name. I'm telling you, this is so important. And it's not me who's inventing this. This is me learning from other people who have had a lot more success than me who've done this. And so I think it's really important that I, for this show and for Inside Out and for every show that I ever end up making, that I have a very defined target audience, a defined listener avatar, and know who they are, and as importantly, know how I can best serve them, how I can provide the most value for them. Wow. I mean, imagine if, if every show I made provided a ton of value for the specific listener that, that I'm targeting. Okay. So that's one through 50 out of order, <laughs> not in order at all. And I'll just say this in closing that I know I was hard on myself, but I know I can do better. I know I will do better and I'm making improvements. Even though I was hard on myself, don't feel sorry for me because I'm learning and I knew the first year would be all about learning. And as I mentioned, one of the biggest reasons that I spent less time on the podcast is I spent a lot of time on LinkedIn. And so while I may not have had enough time to do all the things that I wanted to do in podcast land, I did do a lot in LinkedIn land. And that really helped me grow on that platform, which will help ultimately with my podcast. So that's it for this episode. Let me just say that I am so grateful that you're on this journey. If you like this show, as always, you know the drill. If anything, just subscribe, right? I mean, if you could do one thing, subscribe. Obviously, I appreciate a review and I appreciate a rating, but whatever you have time to do would be helpful. A subscribe is, of course, immensely helpful because that just shows that there are people that want to listen to this show and that will help us get more noticed in all of the platforms upcoming on next show. I alluded to it. I'm super, super, super excited to share James Cridlin. James Cridlin is the editor of the industry newsletter podnews.net, which also has a podcast called Pod News. If you don't know who this guy is, please tune in. He is basically radio royalty. I mean, the guy is in more associations and academies than I could even list. He's very, very well known in the space. He's incredibly nice and has so many insights. I don't think there is a person in the podcasting community who knows more about what's going on because he is the leading voice of podcast news. Therefore, he is the voice of pod news. So please tune in for that one. It will be released the same time as this one. And without fail, I have to tell you, remember, no matter what else happens, we always do this show for the love of podcasts.